and welcome to the Hugenhoff Podcast, Episode 12. Today we are going to be discussing the Havamaw some more, but before we get into that, I would like to invite everybody to send any questions or comments you had to my email address, which is Podcast at gmail.com or just podcast at hugenhoff.org. Also, please feel visit... Please feel free to visit my website at www.hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F.org. Today, to help me understand the Havamaw, I have Lore once again. Lore, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, sir. Let's have a good show. <laughs> okay, well, we'll do our best. No promises. <laughs> Might be horrible. Well, um, we were to stanza 11 of the Havamaw, so I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into it and read stanza 11 and then discuss it for a bit. Okay, number 11. A better burden may no man bear for wandering wide than wisdom. Worse food for the journey, he bring not a field than an over-drinking of ale. Now, before I explain this one, Lord did... Any of your translations have a better way of putting that. The this one, is an important one. The one you just read there yeah. is exactly duplicate to what's on sacred texts. Okay. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I almost forgot. Um, I'm going to try to put in the show notes a link for the sacred text uh, link to the Havamaw. They have it on that website, and it sounds like it's a pretty good one. So And it's free. So that's always an advantage. And the one that I have in the Hollanders translation, I actually don't like, which is strange, because usually I like Hollanders better. Okay, well, um, let's just go ahead and stick with stick with this one then, I guess. Uh, I suppose it's, it's relatively straightforward. It's, again, talking about um, if you're the type that's wandering and journeying and looking for wisdom... It says, worse food for the journey, he brings not a field than an over-drinking of ale. So, drinking too much. Being drunk. And, now, see, I think it's important to talk about because in most of our bloats, we drink meat. And after bloat, we usually have ale. Uh, which is fine. But... It's something that you really have to do in moderation, and I know that there were some other groups in the past. I'm, I was not part of them, and I'm not going to mention them because I don't want to badmouth other people. But there, there were certain groups and certain people who would use things like bloat as just an excuse to get drunk and party. And obviously, a lot of people use that. Or that's what a lot of people use Wiccan for as well, just an excuse to get drunk and party. Being drunk all the time is really not a good idea. It's not a way to wisdom. I think to have a little bit of uh, alcohol is oftentimes a good thing. It can loosen your tongue a little bit. Braggy, for example, is the god of mead and storytelling. And I think those go together because after maybe you have a few drinks, it can loosen your tongue and you can tell more stories and... And it kind of puts you in a different frame of mind, alters your experience of the world a little bit. And it's a fine thing to do with friends. But drinking to excess is not 
really a good idea. It makes you make bad decisions. There's a particular story in the Heimskringla where these two um, kings, and they're not... Remember back in the day that you could have king... You had a lot of kings because you could kind of be a king of a very small land. And, um, well, these two kings were drinking, and they decided that they wanted to take over all of Sweden, and Harold Harefair had it at the moment. So over entirely too many ales, they decided, they swore oaths that they were going to take over this part of Sweden. And, of course, in the morning they sobered up, and they were like, oh, dear, that was a really bad idea because we have no chance whatsoever of winning. But they had sworn sacred oaths that they would do this. So to honor their oaths, which they kind of had to do, they tried to take over Sweden, and they were very similar, uh, summarily killed. I mean, both of them died. They obviously didn't take care, take over Sweden. And they could have both long, productive lives, but because they were drinking too much, they made foolish decisions. And that is something that too much drink can do. It can make you make foolish decisions. And if you are in, if you are traveling, this is even worse. I mean, if once in a while you just want to get smashed with your friends, it's probably not a huge deal because your friends are kind of there to look out for you. But if you're, if you're traveling and you have too much to drink, you're kind of at their mercy. I mean, what if one of the people, and this kind of harkens back to always be aware of your surroundings. What if one of the people that happens to be in the same place as you is an enemy? Perhaps you didn't pick up on the fact that he's an enemy. Maybe you insult him while you're drinking, or maybe he's been following you for a long time, and now is his opportunity to kill you. So... Um, drinking to excess is not usually a good idea, and most especially not when you're traveling. Uh, did you have anything to add to that, or anything I missed of what the stance is getting at? Um, no, I, 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 other than, you know, over-drinking, yes, obviously a problem, but there is something to be said to do it on occasion, just to have an experience. Now you don't necess- you don't do it every day, and this is why over drinking could also mean instead of uh, over drinking being every day, instead of just over drinking once. Oh, that's interesting. It it could mean it could mean that as well. Um, and I think that we've got a lot of science showing the negative health consequences of like getting drunk every day. Um, and, and I think that's true. You can get away with over-drinking with your friends. Because, I mean, remember the first part was wandering wide for wisdom. I don't think it's a big problem to drink with your friends nearly as much as it is to drink with perhaps strangers and people you don't, you don't trust. So, yeah, I, I think regardless of how you take it, both are true. You don't want to be an alcoholic that, you know, has a ridiculous amount of alcohol every day. We can see that that would be bad for your health and everything else. You also don't want to overdrink when you're around people that perhaps you don't know. Both pieces of advice there are very good pieces of advice. And that that's something that, you know, all of us when we're younger probably go to parties and 
and drank around people we don't even whose names we don't even know. And you know, young kids make bad decisions. But as we get older, I think it's a good idea and I try to follow this. I if I'm going to have if I'm going to be drinking, it's going to be around people that I actually trust. And I do think that's that's part of it as well. And I try to drink in moderation. So I think I kind of try try to do both of those things. So yeah, um, it, there there's a lot of positive effects for alcohol and and drinking. You know, like I said, you start talking about things that maybe normally you wouldn't, which is good in many ways because you can share, you know, deep personal things. But you want to be sharing them with your friends, not people at the bar. Right, and I was saying mostly I think drink is a uh, not a public thing. Drink is a group of friend thing. Or the solitary drinker can be a bad thing, but there are there are positive things you can do by yourself. But over drinking is always bad for the solitary, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think there is a theme that we really saw in the Valsapa, um when we did that study, the idea of balance and everything ultimately needing to be in balance. Drinking is not some exception to this rule. You shouldn't never have a drink in your life, and you shouldn't be an alcoholic. You need to, once again, find a balance. Like everything else in life, you need to find a balance and do things in moderation. And I kind of think that's what this is getting at. And I I suppose it's pretty straightforward advice. The only reason I said it was important is because there is a stereotype that's not entirely true, but it's not entirely false either, that, you know, some Austro groups will just, like, be an excuse to drink a bunch of meat and have crazy parties. Those things have happened in the past, so because of that, I always warn people something like a bloat should not be just, like, a big drunk fest. You should get something more out of it than like some random party you go to. You should be having like real experiences with the gods and um, equally important experiences with your kin, you know, the other people in the kindred. It shouldn't just be like, I like to drink. Um, That said, I think it's fine to have alcohol while you're there for some of the reasons we mentioned. So like everything else, do it in moderation. Okay, let's move on to 12. <laughs> Less good here lies than most believe in ale for mortal men, for the more he drinks, the less does man of his mind the mastery hold. Um, It's kind of along the same lines, isn't it? Yes. Though I happen <clears throat> to like Hollander's version this time. Uh, go ahead and read Hollander, then. For good is not, though good is it thought, made for the sons of men. The deeper he drinks, the dimmer grows the mind of many a man. Uh, it's a little, it's a lot more poetic in Hollanders, I think. Yes, and that's kind of why I liked it. But it's the same, obviously, thing. It is, and we've kind of gone over that. You, you lose, you lose your wisdom as you drink more and more. And not permanently, obviously, but um, <clears throat> you are more likely to make bad decisions. The next one, 13, is pretty much the same, and I may have you read Hollander's translation as well, and um, because I think he puts it better. Okay. Mine says, over beer the bird of forgetfulness broods, 
and steals the minds of men, while the heron feathers fettered I lay, and in Gunloth house was held. Now, what is Hollander's translation there for 13? Okay. The heron of heedlessness hovers over the feast, the stealth or and stealth the minds of men. With that fowl's feathers fettered I was when I was Gunloth's guest. Now this this one's actually kind of interesting. Um, again, it's getting at the same thing. Don't be drunk because it's not going to. It's not going to help you. You're going to make some bad decisions. But this second, this very end part, better I lay and in Gunloth's house was held. So that seems to be saying that Odin, in this case, was drunk when he was in Gunloth's house. But Gunloth, when he, uh, Gunloth is a giantess which had the poetic meat that Odin took. But he wasn't drunk when he was in her house, as far as I remember. And do you have a note on that one, yes. Hollander? Can you yes. read that? Uh, let's see. It says 13. Wait. It's 11. 11. Uh, the reference seems to be when Odin adventures with Gunloth, in whose cave, however, he by no means loses the power of his mind. That is the only note it says. So, I'm not sure what's going on here. Ah, well, see... Maybe he's replacing I, as in himself, as in he was aware of others that were fettered <laughs> by the bird of forgetfulness. Perhaps. Because I don't have the original text, and nor can I translate from the original. Right. When he... I mean, he did drink the mead and then fly away. Um, I'm not sure. This one, this one is is interesting. Maybe he's saying, I don't know. Maybe he's even. I just I don't I don't know what that's getting at because, as far as I remember, and of course there could be a mistranslation somewhere or the other here or elsewhere where maybe he was drunk or he wasn't drunk, or somebody else was drunk or whatever. Um, but he he wasn't drunk when he stole the poetic mead from Gunloth. He was quite in control of his senses right. and uh, kind of seduced her. Now I wonder if I wonder if he maybe that's why drunk? his seduction was for drinking. <laughs> Well, and the long See, his seduction was for drinking. See, Gunloth gave me her gold stool upon a draught of the deer-bought mead, an ill reward I her, I her after left, for her faithful friendship for her heavy heart. I'm reading part of the Gunloth stuff. Okay. And I suppose... I don't know if there's something deeper to that or not. I've been thinking about it, and, and I don't know. Now, what it... Okay, because he goes to Gunloth, and she gives him the mead, and like Lord just read, Odin drinks the mead, and then I think he turns into an eagle, and then he flies away. So, 
Uh, I mean, if, if you're forget, if you're reading this, it's saying um, the the bird uh the over beer the the bird of forgetfulness and all of this. That is obviously alcohol in this situation. And then it says fettered I lay and in Gunloth house was held. Um, he he does drink a bunch of the mead, which in this case would be um, the forgetfulness, the bird of forgetfulness. And then he has to fly away, and he is actually weighed down from all the extra mead when he's trying to escape, and it does slow him down. So it could just be a poetic device where it's saying, like, you know, they're in the first part saying all this, like, this is a metaphor for drinking, and when Odin was in Gunlaw's house, he drank a bunch and then flew away, but since he had drunk a bunch, he was slowed down, not because he was actually drunk in the situation, but because he had the poetic meat in his mouth, he was slowed down. So it could just kind of be a poetic device there, because he really did go to Gunlaw's house, drink a bunch of mead, and was then slowed down by it while he escaped, but never was he drunk. And what I just read was actually the sayings of Horror 106. Okay, so we it, may it, actually... It comes back for okay. several, several parts uh, later on. We'll kind of keep that in the back of our minds, I suppose. My hunch is probably it's being used as a poetic device, because I know there's a lot of poetic devices in there. But for clarification, I do want to say that um, as the story goes, Odin was not drunk when he stole the poetic mead. He did drink the mead, and he did fly away with it, but he went there to get the mead, not to not to get drunk, and he, and he didn't get drunk, so... Unless there's anything else to say on that, I think we shall move on. Okay. This next one says, 14, Drunk I was, I was dead drunk, when the fjaller, with fjaller wise I was. Tis the best of drinking if back one brings his wisdom with him home. I don't remember fjaller wise. Well, I'm reading this if you'd like, a bit. Okay. It, it The Hollanders doesn't do any differently, so it doesn't clarify, but all I'm seeing here is just say, hey, when you drink, don't drink so you forget. That's about it. Yes, and I will point out that, remember in, in 13, where he it's talking about he was in Gunlaw's house, it doesn't actually ever... He, Odin never says, I was drunk. He just says, fettered I lay, and in Gunthloth's house was held. And in this next one, he says, you know, it starts drunk I was. So he was actually drunk. Now, what I think we would really need to understand this stanza is to look up that piece of lore with Fjaller and see exactly what happened there. Because we know what happened in the Gunloth story, so we kind of have a, somewhere to go from. But I'm not familiar with this the story with Fjallar off the uh, top of my head. It's identical with Suttung, S-U-T-T-U-N-G. Uh, hmm. And it's also apparently in the Volsipa. Stanza 41. 
which is his harp striking on hill. There sat no. Oh wait, there sat gladsome Egther who guards the ogress over her gaily in the gallows tree. Crowed the fair red cock, which is Fjallar height. Oh, just more references to Fjallar. So it may be we don't have a whole lot left about Fjallar. And I would assume by this, since he came home alive, (laughs) um, it was probably a friend of the god and a friend of the gods. That could be another thing that it's getting at (laughs) to, to drinking with friends type of thing. Because you do have the juxtaposition Gunloth was not a friend of the gods, so if Fuller was, it would be a nice juxtaposition. It's like, okay, in this situation, when you're with an enemy, you might take their mead for some reason, but don't get drunk off of it, save it for later. And then in this situation, it's okay to get drunk. It's hard to say that without the reference of Fjallar, though. So, well, we may have to do more research and return on that one at some point in time or you know anybody listening look up Fjallar and and see what you can find and see what you think about it but the the last part is important if back one brings his wisdom with him home so now what did you say you thought that meant um just keep don't don't drink so you don't remember Basically, you should you should not drink ever so much that you would lose your ability to remember what you what your actions were. Okay, I think that's good. And uh, here he said, you know, he was dead drunk, so he's obviously very drunk, but not to the point of like blacking out or something. And my own personal advice, um, I don't know if I've ever, I don't really drink and black out, but. If anybody out there is drinking so much that they're blacking out, especially if it happens on even a sort of kind of regular basis, you should probably cut down drinking. Um, and if you can't, consider getting help because blackout drunk is not a good idea. I mean, you don't know. You gain nothing from it because you don't have wisdom. No matter what the experience you had, you don't bring that wisdom home with you because you black out. And you might do something that you could regret later so blackout drunk is a very bad idea um i I don't think i'm going to get an argument from you there am i nope okay so let's go ahead and move on to 15 the son of a king shall be silent and wise and bold in battle as well bravely and gladly a man shall go till the day of his death is come Okay, so I guess this is getting at um, silent and wise kind of harkens back to some of the stuff we've already read of, you know, don't just go talking all the time. Listen to people to be wise, be bold in battle, um, be brave, don't run away from fights. Um, All of these things are just good, I guess, advice to live by, especially if you're a noble person. Uh, son of a king you should be wise you should be bold you should be brave you should be all of those things you shouldn't try to get out of things but you should you know directly face whatever challenges you have but also have a measure of wisdom don't just be wise don't just be brave but be be brave and wise as well which i think is pretty straightforward 
So I don't have anything else to say about that. Nope. All right, sixteen. Okay, some of some of these these next ones are kind of going to be in juxtaposition to the one we just covered. So that was the good, and these are the bad. Excuse me. Uh, sixteen says the sluggard believes he shall live forever forever if the fight he faces not but aid shall not grant him the gift of peace those beers may spare his life now in hollander what word does it use it doesn't say slugger does it the unwise man thinks that he i will live if from fighting he flees but the ills and aches of old age dog him those spears have spared him okay the same gist. I like how that one's worded better. This is the thing, and it sure we could be talking about physical war, physical war, and and this would apply. But it's taking it. It's a little simplistic to say it only applies to war. It can it can apply to to anything really. If you don't ever risk your life, if you never fight for what you think is right, you you know, you think you're going to live forever. But quite frankly, you won't. You're going to die of old age just like everybody else. And the thing is, life is hard. Nobody makes it out alive. No one's going to live forever. In the future, maybe we will increase our lifespan significantly. I know a lot of science fiction books have that premise. And I think that's great if we do, but even if we significantly increase our life expectancy, I still don't think we'll live forever. I don't think we'll ever be to the point where we're truly immortal. Even if we get to the point of biological immortality, I don't think we'll get to the point of true immortality ever. And if you run away from your fights all day long and you never face anything because you think it's scary or dangerous you're still going to die and you're going to die a much less happy person i would think anyway you're going to die a less happy person because you never stood up for anything Uh, death is part of life it's not something that should be feared and if there's something really important you don't throw your life away but if there's something really important to fight for regardless of what the consequences may be i absolutely believe that you should do it and i think that's what this stance is getting at okay so oh this is all right and number 17 is next it says the fool is agape when he comes to the feast he stammers he stammers or else is still but soon if he gets a drink is it seen what the mind of the man is like? Um, so basically, uh, drinking can lead you to actually prove that you're stupid? <laughs> yeah, I think that is kind of what it's getting at. Um, again, if you're a foolish person, you probably shouldn't. You have even more reason to not drink. Now, as a side note, I just came across a note in my book, which says, which says, the stanza 13 and 14 about um, Fjaller and uh, Gunlaud, 
this one says they seem to have been inser- inserted as uh, illustrative. So they may not even be original. So oh, okay. eh, just something to take with a grain of salt. Remember, this is not... It's not like the gods... Okay, these are the sayings of Odin, but I don't think... Oh, well, Lauren myself don't believe that Odin actually wrote them and gave them to us. So everything in here is is, is suspect. It could have been added later. It may not be true. Um, it's not sacred lore. It's just something for us to read that gets us starting to think about how to approach and understand the gods better. Yep. Okay, so I'm going to move on to number 18. He alone is aware who has wandered wide and far abroad has fared. How great a mind is guided by him the wealth of wisdom has. Uh, So, I suppose that's talking about some of the advantages of traveling abroad and um, just traveling a lot in general. There is a lot of wisdom in doing that that you gain. Here's the thing, though. It says only he is aware. So is this a cautionary to state that uh, you never show all your wisdom as well? It could be. It could be. That's actually a good point. It says he alone is aware. Actually, I think uh, I think you're right, but I think it may be a double. Uh, it's got a double meaning, both being true. If you're a traveler, don't show all your wisdom, which I think we've heard things earlier in the have them all getting at that point. And also remember, if you run into a traveler, that. Only he is aware of everything that he's seen. So don't necessarily think that a traveler you run into is going to tell you everything of importance. And it could, this is more of a stretch, but I don't think an unreasonable one, be getting at the fact that knowledge is experiential. He alone is aware. Only the traveler who has done the traveling is aware of the wisdom that comes with it because experience can't be taught or passed down in books. Only the person who had the experience is capable of really understanding that experience. Um, All of those things I think are actually the case. So, um, and it, it does kind of give us something to think about are we traveling ourselves? And I I don't mean you need to go to Germany for your vacation or, I don't know, the Congo for your vacation. But sometimes I, I think that there's a lot of wisdom and, you know, just simply visiting different places and seeing different cultures, um, however you may decide to do that, you can learn a lot. And actually, it's a lot easier now than it used to be because we have the Internet and TV and and other things that can give us a taste of different cultures. But I think that just having new experiences does make us more wise and it is something we should try to do. Okay, number 19. Shun not the mead, but drink in measure. Speak to the point or be still. For rudeness none shall rightly blame thee, if soon thy bed thou seekest. So, I guess what this is saying, okay, so shun not the mead. Don't don't be antisocial or rude or anything like that. 
Um, sh- okay, the second part, I'm not sure what it's saying. Shall I read the, the Hollanders one? Yes, if it's better, yes. I think it is. Uh, wait, uh, 19. Uh, the cup spurn not, yet be sparing withal. Say what is needful or not, for ill-breeding abrades thee no man, if soon thou goest to sleep. I guess this, is this kind of getting at moderation again, then? It is getting at, I think, you are being a guest. But don't spurn the cup. If you are given something, take it, but be sparing. Right. Say what is needful, or don't say anything, Mm -hmm. or, you know, ill-breeding, as in, you know... Uh, being polite society kind of right um, abrades the no man makes you no friend of anyone if thou mm-hmm. goes to sleep again another reason to, for moderation too I think it's showing also moderation in the second part because you drink too much what happens you go to sleep right. well yeah yeah I think that's true and it it's showing the part of moderation that gets forgotten especially with um, drinking everybody's like oh don't drink but but that's not really necessarily the best thing to do. You know, shun not the cup. Do drink, you know, when you're offered, just not to excess. And the same thing with food. You know, if I were to have a guest come to my... Now, if somebody didn't drink, it, would be like, well, maybe they're a recovering alcoholic. I, I don't know their story. But if someone were to come to my house and I was like, uh, to a bloat, especially, you know, I was like, oh, and and here's the meal, and they were like, oh, no, I don't want to eat any of that. Maybe they were trying to be nice, but that's not really very polite. It kind of makes you feel like you did all this work of preparing a meal for nothing. And there's a certain thing about food and drink that bring people together. So I don't think the point, and especially these last stanzas of saying, cautioning what too much drink will do, the negative effects this is kind of bringing it the other way and saying okay we've told you you know don't go crazy but on the other hand don't completely avoid drink altogether either it needs to be a moderation and moderation and abstinence are not the same thing you need to do everything in in moderation to really be a good guest and yeah i I think that's what that's getting at Moving on to 20, the greedy man, if his mind be vague, will eat till sick he is. The vulgar man, when among the wise, to scorn by his belly is brought. Now, this one, we're moving away from the drink and towards the food. This, I really, well, this, actually, you know what? I'm going to read the next stanza as well, because they're very much along the same lines. The next stanza 21 is one of my favorite stanzas in the Havel. I just really like it. Uh, the herds know well when home they shall fare, and then from the grass they go. But the foolish man, his belly's measure, measure shall never know aright. This is saying don't overeat. And, you know, a lot of people do. And at, at a feast, sure. But especially in, in day-to-day life. Don't just eat and eat and eat until, you know, you feel sick from all the eating that you've done. Again, you need to do everything in moderation. And eh, it seems like in America we do have a pretty big problem with obesity. And we can see, um, just like 
drinking too much, we can see that there's a lot of negative health consequences to it. So now it makes it complicated because we're obsessed with people being like stick figures in America too. So it's it's a fine line for us to walk. But nonetheless, just don't eat too much. Don't eat until you're sick. That is a bad idea. Did you have anything else to add on those two, Lore? Um, no, but I do want to read Hollander's version of 21. Okay, go ahead. The herd do know when home they shall, and gang from the grass to their stalls. But the unwise man will not ever learn how much his maw will hold. I like the word uh, maw. I, yeah, now, Hollander's is much more poetic, but it does get across the same point. It's just like, no when to stop. With everything, just know when to stop. I'm going to move on to 22. A paltry man and poor of mine at all things ever mocks, for never he knows what he ought to know, that he is not free from faults. And I actually really like this stanza again. This is another one of my favorites. There are so many people who just make fun of everything, and they talk about how everybody's horrible and everyone's stupid and blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, you're you're probably not free of faults yourself. So don't go around telling everybody that they're dumb because it really doesn't make you look good. And I think people start looking for the faults in you when you do that. Um, you shouldn't have to tear other people down to build yourself up. Certainly you should be proud of yourself even if you do have faults, but there's no need to tear other people down. All right, I'm going to move to 23. The witless man is awake all night, thinking of many things. Careworn he is when the morning comes, and his woe is just as it was. This is probably the one that relates to me the most, because I do have this problem. Lore, would you mind reading 23 from Hollander? I think he does a better job. Okay. The unwise man waketh all night, thinking of this and that. Tosses sleepless, and is tired at morn, nor lighter for that his load. A lot of us, myself included, will, and I, and because of this stance, I'm, I'm not nearly as bad as I used to be. You know, you go to bed and you worry about this and that, and you're thinking, how am I going to pay the mortgage? How am I going to fix this project? How am I going to get this project at work done? How am I... How am I going to get this bill out in time? And you just think about that, and you make these plans, and you try to figure out how to do it, and and you just toss and turn all night. And you don't accomplish anything. The problems aren't solved in the morning. You're back to the place you were, but now you haven't had enough sleep. It's very important, whatever the situation is, whatever trouble you're having, and, and it's difficult, but it's important to be able to say, I can't do anything right now. I'm not going to think about this problem right now. I'll think about it when I can do something about it, which is in the morning, but right now, I'm going to bed. And to be able to push that into the corner of your mind and not think about it and get some sleep and then fix it when you actually have a chance to fix it. It's something very difficult to do, but I think it's something that is very important to do. Also, I'm thinking it's just saying, get sleep. It's good for you. Mm -hmm. 
Well, that's true. That's true. But I think a lot of people will lose sleep because they're worried about something. And if you and have yeah, no control over it, then don't worry about it. Just get some pre- sleep. Precisely. And that is what it's getting at. It's easier said than done. But um, yeah, just get some sleep. Worrying's not going to fix anything. Uh, 24. The foolish man for friends... Let me start over. The foolish man for friends all those who laugh at him will hold, when among the wise he marks it not, though hatred of him they speak. I think this is getting at um, maybe the idea that, you know, you can be foolish and silly and everyone will laugh at you and you're like oh they're all my friends but when you leave behind your back they they don't speak of you kindly and they're not really true friends well foolishness does not lend itself for friendship only amusement and amusement some is a bit of hatred too sometimes yeah i think that's true and yeah, now now that you've said that, that seems to kind of be a theme. There's a lot of stanzas where it seems to say that foolishness is not really friendship. And it, we've probably all known somebody who's just, you know, this crazy off-the-wall person who does silly things, and we all laugh, and embarrassing things, embarrassing to himself, and we all laugh. But that's not really your friend. That's not the person that you're confiding secrets in i mean sure he's entertaining but they may not be your actual friend that you actually care about so yeah just don't fall into that trap just because people are laughing at you doesn't mean they like you sure 25 that's a good place to stop okay i'm going to read 25 and then we'll just have some closing remarks and and we'll be done with the podcast today so it may be a tad shorter but ah, not by much 25 the foolish man for friends all those who laugh at him will hold but the truth when he comes to the council he learns that few in his favor will speak so this is just expanding on the one that we just read the foolish man, everyone will laugh at him, and he thinks he has friends. But when he goes to the thing, um, that's what they called kind of the the law assembly that they had where you could sue for certain things and press cases. And what you'd have to do if, if you were suing somebody else because they had wronged you or whatever – you would have to have people support your case, and then he'd have people support his case, and then they'd have a judgment on who was right. Anyway, you need to you need people to put their reputation on the line for you, and the foolish man who doesn't have close friends, the person we just talked about, would get there, and nobody's willing to put their reputation on the line. No one's willing to help them go out of their way to help the foolish man. And that's part of why you need friends, because sometimes you really need people to be there for you and help you out. And you won't have that if you're just the clown. Agreed. Okay. Um, Let me see what else I want to say. I can't... I suppose I shouldn't be obsessed about this being exactly an hour. I'm only 15 (laughs) minutes off. But, um... 
I, I always am. And it's not like people are paying, so... Okay, so we made it to 25 today, so next month we will start on stanza 26. Lord, did you have anything you wanted to add before we leave? If you have found something that you like from what we've said and you need to learn more, there are sites everywhere all over the internet where you can go delving deeply into the lore for each stanza. Like we said, we don't know exactly if, uh, what was it? 13 and 12? 13 and 14. 13 and 14. We're not sure if those actually existed before, but you can still find them on sacredtext.com. If you just go into Google, and you type in sacred text, and then... Uh, have them all. You can find it there. It's very easy. And that's about it. Okay. Um, I would agree with that. There are a lot of places that you can look for different pieces of lore, and there are a lot of theories out there, too, that sometimes linguists will get into and say, this is related to this, and this means that, and, and we think... We think this stanza was added later because the poetry was slightly different. Read through those. It, it's hard. I mean, a lot of them ba- break down to at least partially opinion pieces. This one scholar may say, oh, 13 and 14 are using a different rhymes game, so they must have been added later. Well, that's a fine hypothesis, but it's also possible that the poet just changed up his rhymes game. Um my advice with the real deep language stuff like that is read it, see what makes sense, sort of make an, an, an informed decision on your own, but don't take anything literally. And and with this whole thing, again, don't take everything literally. It's not like the gods literally wrote it and handed it to us. But perhaps people who worked with the gods were inspired to write it, so... You've got a lot of good information in here as well. I also wanted to say, if anybody wants to give me an email, I would appreciate that. And you can email me at podcast at hugenhoff.org or hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and just anything you had to say, um, especially... When we get done with the Havamaw study, I'm not sure what we're going into next. I've got a couple ideas. But if you had any ideas, something you would like us to cover, send those in now so we can do a little bit of preparation and maybe work on those. And if you had any questions, again, send them in or comments. And in the email, let me know if you want to read, if you want me to read them on the air because I would love to read some emails on the show. All right, I think that's about it for this week. So everybody, thank you for listening, and we will see you next month for a hail. For a hail. <laughs>